Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? It was pretty terrible. Um, I don't know about you, but I've had this feeling of just wanting to climb inside of an instrument case. No, I totally share that feeling this week. The only thing I don't want is I don't want to wind up in Lebanon as an international fugitive. That would suck even more. Well, you just, you climb inside an instrument case. It's nice and cozy in there. It might be velvet lined. They need to keep the instruments safe. And when you wake up, you're in another country without an extradition treaty. What could be better? You could be, you don't know where you are. I don't know where I am. This is This Week in No. The podcast where we shut it down. No, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go, you need to let it go, need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, it's been a terrible week. And you, of course, uh, in the cold open there, you were referring to the story of the Nissan executive whose name I can't pronounce. Gosen, Carlos, Carlos Gone. Gone. Yeah. Carlos Gone, who escaped prosecution in Japan through an elaborate, long planned scheme to climb into a double base case and get smuggled to Lebanon. It's unclear. And, they uh, said it was a double base case at first. It was like a stand-up base <laughs> and he's just like rolling around standing up. But no, it, it, I think it was like one of those like trunks that hold other types of instruments. But we, we don't know. It's, oh, it's still like a, a little tuba murky. Or a cl- cl- clarinet? <laughs> Speakers, a pic- a piccolo? Wolf, subwoofers, you know. <laughs> well, um, the only thing I have to say about that is that Yamaha, who I guess manufactured the case or the instrument, they had to issue a warning about imitators climbing into into instrument cases and they put out a I don't know a tweet or a press release and they said we won't mention the reason but there have been many tweets about climbing inside large musical instrument cases a warning after any unfortunate accident would be too late so we ask everyone not to try it now why can't they mention is, the reason <laughs> the reason is very obvious it's un, it's unmentionable Okay, we're getting distracted here. There are far more important um, international affairs going on. Rachel, you've been dying to talk about this. Yeah, I've been dying. So um, we were going to talk about the debate, but on Wednesday night when we normally record, we're recording this week, a day day late this week, um, Rachel Maddow interviewed Lev Parnas, who is the latest shady character to emerge from the muck of the Trump crime syndicate, the, <laughs> the muck in the mire. <laughs> and um, I am here for the Parnassance. And um, I have a lot to say about this, but I know we don't have that much time and we have a lot of other terrible things to address. So I'm, I'm I'll just, I'll just, just cut, cut me off, off like you always do. <laughs> just mansplain <laughs> away. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I own it. I own it. <laughs> so Lev is one of those two Florida businessmen described as associates of Rudy Giuliani who were arrested at the Dallas airport with one-way tickets to Vienna last year. And you may recall that these two gentlemen were on entrepreneurs. They were proprietors of a business called Fraud Guarantee. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, so the other guy... Is it that they guarantee... Do they guarantee fraud? Oh, yes. 100% guaranteed fraud. (laughs) So the other guy is named Igor Fruman, and he's chosen to keep his mouth shut. But Lev appears to have a good lawyer, and he has flipped like Simone Biles at the Rio Olympics. 
He flipped like a flipped like a pancake, like a pancake, like a hot pancake. And so, after some <laughs> um, legal wrangling, Congress this week finally got their hands on the contents of Lev's cell phone and released some of that information to the public. And it's so insane, so disturbing. I I don't even know where to begin. But let's look at some of the highlights. <laughs> so, <laughs> first, there was basically um, photographs of a crime to-do list written on hotel notepads <laughs> from the Ritz-Carlton in Vienna. Did you see this? Yes, like, it wasn't in like Evernote. No, no it was like, <laughs> it was like on... Didn't like slack it to like himself the things, or sauna. Like right it beside was... the bed, like Ritz-Carlton Vienna. He's just writing down like, get Zelensky like, do... to announce Biden case will be investigated. Commit election fraud. Do... Do crimes. Do crimes. So, I mean, it, it does annoy me to my very core that these criminals were staying at the Ritz-Carlton. I'll just say that off the bat. Because you know that, like, either somehow the American taxpayers or Vladimir Putin were covering this luxury fishing expedition. But, you know, oh, but sure. overall, it's, it's further evidence that Trump did not care about corruption. He did not care about whether there actually was an investigation of the Bidens. He just wanted to smear them in the press to steal the election, which is... Totally legal, totally cool. So, so then there were these like WhatsApp messages between Parnas and a host of shady characters, including this lesser-known figure in the scheme named Robert F. Hyde. Who the fuck is Robert Hyde? Okay. Oh, I know. I this part I caught. He's running for Senate in he's, in Connecticut. Congress. He's running for the House. Oh, he's in, running for Congress. He, he's the finest the GOP has to offer. He's the finest erratic ex-landscaper <laughs> running for Congress. Oh, he's an ex-landscaper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, he is now at the center of what appears what appears to be a plot to murder an American ambassador. He was um, also arrested last year at the Trump Dorrell Golf Resort and committed to a psychiatric facility because he thought a hitman was out to murder him. And another woman has a restraining order out against him because he harassed her. This guy seems perfect. This guy's very confused. The thing is, he's right. He's not even consistent in his criming. <laughs> Right. So he's, he's at the Trump. He's committing crimes at the Trump property and then on behalf of Trump. And then he thinks he's being the subject of a hit job, but then he's committing a hit job. This guy, look, he's uh, he's versatile. Well, he's perfect for this job. Like he's like the perfect cutout because he has so much so many legal troubles. You don't want to hire someone who's like clean you want someone who's totally you know these characters are getting sleazier and sleazier as we get to the bottom of the barrel here so they're they make michael cohen look like i don't like tom hanks or something you know so okay so <laughs> mr rogers is, right as played as, by tom as mr rogers yeah so so hyde's messages to parnas were basically explaining how some contact in kiev was tracking the movements of marie ivanovich the ukrainian ambassador and highest ranking woman diplomat in the State Department. And this is... And she's the she's the one who testified, she did. right? I mean, she's the one who had, was like impeccably professional. And she said she was rattled when she heard that she, they were out to fire her. And now she didn't realize that there was a hit job out the, on Potentially, her. yes. And, and, uh, <laughs> and Hyde said things like she's talked to three people, her phone is off, her computer's off, and Parnas was like, perfect. And then Hyde wrote, they are willing to help if we slash you would like a price. Guess you can do anything in Ukraine with money. And Parnas responded, LOL. 
Okay, so this is all insane. And then <laughs> Rachel Maddow scores this interview with Parnas. And to me, this is like the greatest thing since Frost Nixon. And we have no finer journalists. You and I have talked about this many times. No, There's I mean, maybe, nobody better maybe, than Rachel maybe ter- Maddow. Terry Gross. Terry Gross. They're t- together in the pantheon of greats. Yes, they're greatness. And so, and she's an expert on Ukrainian oligarchs. And there are a few observations, like when I started watching this. First, I noticed that Lev Parnas does not have an accent. And that was shocking to me. I totally expected him to sound like a Russian cartoon character. But his English was nearly perfect. And he sounded kind of like a thug from The Irishman. And, you know, yeah, he, like what, yeah. with the name like Lev, you would expect he whatever was a recent immigrant from somewhere, if an immigrant at all. Right. right. But no, he he um, he spoke perfect English. And then I Wikipedia him because I wanted to know how old he was. And um, I made a shocking discovery. Lev Parnas is 47 years old. This was insane. I posted this on Twitter and people were freaking out because this guy does not look a day younger than 79. He's 80 if yeah, he's a day. He, but. <laughs> he looks great for 85 <laughs> great for 85 um so but then like so that's just the sound of him and the look of him and then there's the content of what he says and it is fucking bananas so there's so many criminals now circulating around this international crime syndicate that they're quoting each other and so Parnas said in response to a question from Maddow um about like whether or not Pence knew about what was going on. He was like, as Ambassador Sondland said, but I think he called him as Ambassador Sunderland said, uh, he said (laughs) everyone was in the loop. Mike Pence, Trump, Bill Barr. He said Bill Barr was on the team, which I mean... It, it seems that way right. from the outside, but, but, but to hear someone say that was pretty fuck. shocking. And then he's kind of like, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, look at me. I'm a non-entity schlemiel. Why do you think government <laughs> officials from the Ukraine were meeting with me? Of course Trump was involved. Of course they told him. Of course they told and him he that he was representing. And he basically said this in the interview? Because yeah. I didn't yes. see the whole interview. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm shocked by the bar thing. I guess it's one of those like shock, not shocked. I mean, he's obviously the fox watching the hen house, but to be so blatant as call him part of the team of the crime syndicate, like the chief law enforcement official of the country, that is shocking. And if it's not, it should be. Right, right. And then he was asked about Hyde and he, he said Hyde was a drunk and like he doesn't take him seriously. And that's why he always responds, LOL, just to humor him. But I think Parnas is lying about that. I think that there is, I mean, it, this is not a news podcast. We are allowed to speculate. I think Hyde <laughs> is at the center. Despite the of last this. 10 minutes. We are, not... <laughs> <laughs> we are allowed. To... You're doing a good job. You're like the, you know, Rachel Maddow does the, like the 10 minute monologue at the beginning with like a great uh-huh. exposition. You are doing a, a, an amazing exposition. We are, this is a public service. We are catching people up on what they need but, to know. Um, <laughs> but so we will we will learn more about this. I think like right now the Senate is deciding whether or not to call witnesses. Th- these people must testify. If if the Republican if we can't get four Republicans to vote to call witnesses, this is it's over. It's over. Democracy is over. That's yeah. That's, and the, but they're yeah. going to trade. They say they're going to hor- they're open to horse trading now where if they can get Hunter Biden, then maybe they'll allow John Bolton. And like those are not uh, those are not parallel things. No, right? they no are not parallel things. There, nor legal equivalents. Absolutely not. But um, if they were, I think that I'm OK with that, with Hunter Biden testifying, because there's literally no there there. Um, if we can get all of these people, we need 
we need Parnas. Mulvaney. We need McVulvaney. We need Bolton. We need this Hyde character, most of all. <laughs> That's going to be pure comedy value. <laughs> I mean, I want to see him drunk. Someone needs to take him out for like a boozy lunch before he testifies. Just Giuliani, to get the real essence who better? Of this who be- yes, yes, except Giuliani dribbles. He drools <laughs> so, and he doesn't even know He it. drools. So these characters are all okay. such nopes. I, I want this whole thing to be shut down. Um, I, I can't take it anymore. I just want a boring government. Please, please put an end to this. No, nope. absolutely I'll put not. an end to it. Absolutely nope. not. Absolutely <laughs> okay. not. Let's talk about something else. Yes. Okay. Um, Rachel, you uh, wanted to talk about the entertainment world. You're an entertainment expert, and that was news this week, too, over the past two weeks, right, let's say. Right, so award season. It's the perfect, you know, diversion from all of this. Um, it's Award season is here. It's off to a terrible start. Um, the, the worst. worst. This is the worst start to the... <laughs> <laughs> the worst start to an award season in the history of award season. So first there was the Golden and... Globes last month, which were bad for a variety of reasons, right? And then after the awards were over, there were these new developments. Um, never mind that Rachel Brosnahan was snubbed for the best actress in a TV comedy or musical category, which would have been her third consecutive win. She got stuck in a scandal that is now known as blanket date (laughs) so and it wasn't that she was wearing a bad dress that looked like a blanket it was far more important it was far more (laughs) nuanced so the question on everyone's mind this is days after the airing of the golden globes was did rachel brosnahan see or did she not see a tray of pigs in blankets pass her by at a golden globes after party we need to know. I saw this. I saw this when it happened, and just referring to it still slays me. I cannot believe that this is something that people are talking about. And what's what we're talking about it? So, so I, I wait. Okay, why is well, tell us tell us the meat of the oh the meat, the meat of the of story, the story and then. We'll discuss its relevance. Okay. So there's this writer for the New York Times, Ben Whittacombe. He's covering the Golden Globes, and he wrote in a piece that Rachel Brosnahan, quote, eyed but did not touch a passing tray of pigs in blankets, end quote. Okay. So this story runs, and Rachel Brosnahan's publicist goes crazy. She objected to the to the assertion that she eyed, <laughs> but did not touch. How, a tray can one, of pi- how can one prove or disprove an eyeing of That's something? That's the thing. That's the thing. There's no way to prove it. Is there photographic evidence? Is there video evidence of her? And what is the consequence if she was eyeing something? I mean, even if she was a vegan. It's okay to it's okay to look. Right. Just don't touch. <laughs> you can always look. Just don't touch. <laughs> so even if it appeared that she was looking, there's no way to know. You'd have to be inside her head to know if she actually saw the pigs and blankets. There's a lot to see. Her eyes could have been roving. She could have been looking at something else. She <laughs> scanning, could have been looking just beyond the tray. For... So so the New York Times... <laughs> The New York Times ran one of the best corrections of all time. And here's what it said. Um, Quote, an earlier version of this article described imprecisely what the actress Rachel Brosnahan ate for dinner at the Golden Globes and misstated (laughs) what she saw at an after party. (laughs) Miss Brosnahan had mushroom scallops and rice (laughs) at the dinner (laughs) and she did not see trays of hors d'oeuvres being served at the party. (laughs) 
one that's worse than the original mistake. How could boy? How talk could they about get it the so PR wrong? In, <laughs> I love that they clarified with what she did eat. <laughs> and those are not mutually exclusive. You no, can also eat both. the mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, you can eat the mushrooms and scallops and I a pig in blanket. And she and opt not to eat the pig in blanket. They also At say the after that, party. didn't say that she right. They, they also don't say that she didn't eat a pig in blanket. So maybe she didn't look at it like bird box. Maybe she was blindfolded and ate it, but didn't eye it. <laughs> Maybe it was fed to her by one of her feeding entourage. This is one of those things where we just have to say we will never know the truth. <laughs> we can never know we the can truth. Never the know truth the is truth. out there, but we will never know it's it. It's like okay, Schrodinger's so cat. A... So it's like unless That's Rachel right. Brosnahan observes <laughs> the pigs in blankets, <laughs> they are not blanket. there. Do they really exist? <laughs> Do they really exist? She's like a splitting light beam, a splitting electron. Okay, no to that. But at no. least it got better when we got to the Oscar nominations, right? Absolutely not. So we thought that maybe the Oscar nominations announced this week would um, redeem the award season. But no, we cannot have nice things. So Joker, um, the comic book movie about an abusive gaslighter, got the most nominations of any film. I think it got 11 nominations. And um, we're not here to talk about Which that. Which is a travesty. It's a travesty. I didn't see no, it. I'm I not mean, going when, to see when, it. I don't care when about that, it. No, when that happened, Doug texted me, I'm never going to the movies again. <laughs> it's um, enough to make you just never want to go. Yeah, I understand. Right. So so here's my, here's my personal story confession about this. So I have never seen a Batman. Maybe I saw the first one in college. I have never seen a Batman movie. And my problem with it is that they're too dark. And it's not that they're too dark plot-wise. Which they are, they like, are too. Like they are dark plot-wise. They're physically too dark like they're so dark i can't tell who's talking to whom and i realize that this is a persistent problem throughout my entire like media movie consumption career is that things are too dark for me and i have perfectly good eyesight and like i couldn't even I've, you've, we've talked about this before i couldn't even watch the godfather because i couldn't tell who is who uh-huh. um and then i realized so the other thing about the oscars is i saw little women this weekend which everyone is just felling over some people say it's the best movie of the year i hated it it was terrible <laughs> was it Part also dark Dark? Was it dark? <laughs> Part of the reason it was also dark. <laughs> well, it's in the 19th century. They're all in these like cabins. Oh, they're candlelit. They're, like, yeah. Like, kerosene lit, candlelit. And the girls kind of look alike. And maybe that's sexist to me. I don't know. They, everyone kind of looked alike to me except for Timothée. And it was just terrible. It was the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't here's see what it. I think. <laughs> I, I mean, I am here's a big Greta Gerwig fan, but okay. So what do you think? Yeah, so so I, I think that um, to to highlight this problem, lighting should be an awards category and not like in the craft services part of it. It should actually be like in the main primetime show. Craft it should have services. like a best lighting. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like the food. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no. That's another award they should have. <laughs> they should. Best, best craft services, yes. Just potato chips on those set. Um, no, but the lighting should be a category, best lighting and worst lighting. And they should have a montage, like they have the montage of the dead people. They should have a montage of clips from the worst lighting in movies, but it would just be a black screen because you can't see anything. That's yeah, what I feel I like when I go to the movies. I, I feel like going whole, to the movies. The whole broadcast should be leading up to the lighting award at the end. <laughs> like... 
after best picture. Best picture. Like, I do plan to see Little Women. I will report back on what I thought about it. But you know, there were no women directors um, nominated in the best director category for any movie, whether it was Greta Gerwig or Lulu Wang, who directed The Farewell, or Olivia Wilde. Um, who did Book Smart, and you know, then there's the Best Actress category, and J Lo did not get nominated for her performance in Hustlers, which I watched on my iPhone on my way back from L.A. on Monday, and it, she was amazing, she was perfect. So how does Scarlett Johansson get nominated twice, but J Lo zero times? So that's all terrible. But the person and the film I am most angry about. I mean, my blood has been boiling all week. I'm most angry about. <laughs> Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. Um, the snubbing of Uncut Gems from all categories is a criminal dereliction of duty on the part of the Academy. Now, I haven't, I haven't seen it. What I, I do like the trailer. I do like the movie ad. There's a cool, like, obscure Billy Joel song in the background that I like. And um, but I saw an interview with Adam Sandler where he said he won't let his kids see the movie, not because it's dark plot-wise or disturbing in any way. It's because he, at some point, has his shirt off. And he doesn't want, or some sort of semi-nudity, and he doesn't want his kids to see the semi-nudity. But Uncut it's Gems nice is so of, of the moment. Like, I feel like Lev Parnas was in that movie. <laughs> like, it was of that world. <laughs> it was totally of that world, and it felt really current, even though it was about something totally different. Um, I just think this the Academy is unfit for their jobs. We need total <laughs> overhaul of the composition of the Academy. This is... A disaster Make it all and about a disgrace. Uncut Make gems. it all about uncut, uncut, uncut gem. gems and lighting. <laughs> lighting. That's it. The <laughs> finest film of the year. Okay. So. Shut nope. it down. Nope. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, Rachel, your next thing is about another thing that's supposed to be a delight, but is in fact very dark. Yeah. So, um, so this week we're shutting down the government, <laughs> the academy, and also the royal family. I I just think oh, that we need yeah. to end it entirely. So last week, Brian, we were um, recording, and you got a push notification about what would soon become known as Megxit, and that is, yep. you know, Harry and M Meghan Markle decided to quit their quote unquote jobs as senior members of the royal family, and basically said, "Screw it, we're going to make our own money." So, you know. Good for them. And the whole subtext of it was uh, why should we have to cut ribbons and interact with the tabloids in this bizarre royal rota system is what it's called in which a group of outlets uh, get exclusive access to any announcement or event. And these are the basically the same media outlets who essentially caused the death of Princess Diana by chasing her down through a tunnel. And they continue to harass Meghan Markle on a daily basis for everything she does. And so we didn't know at the time what to make of this news. But now a week later, and, you know, just to be totally clear for full disclosure, I'm by no means an expert on this topic, but the more I read about it and the more I think about it, I just can't believe that the British monarchy still exists. Like, why uh, Why is this even a thing in 2020? Who are these people? Why does anybody people care? Love no. it. People love it. People love <laughs> it. I, I think like the British, the British people I know love it. No, the, it needs to stop. It's just, it's, <laughs> it, this is, this is why 
we, <laughs> this, this was the reason for escaping from British rule, right? Like, yeah, but they're not, she's not our queen. She's, uh, <laughs> why do we... and Canada is still in the Commonwealth or it's a dominion or whatever it is. And they love the queen. They, they invited Megxit to come live in Canada and offer them jobs. I, I have no problem with the queen being the queen and she's amassed a huge portfolio of real estate and assets <laughs> and she could continue to live there and um make money off of now, those do you, assets but do you object do you object to their symbolic existence or do you object to the fact like that financially they're being supported by the british public yeah i think these people are just a bunch of grifters you know so they're they're being supported by the british public they're they're raking in like i don't know like 80 million pounds last year like for for doing well, what they, they could the rest of the family could could learn something from harry and Meghan because they could be financially independent all queen elizabeth would have to do would be like show up somewhere and get a speaking fee for 10 million pounds three times a year and like the rest of them do the same and they would be even richer than they are now they don't even need to do anything and they could just live off the interest <laughs> of all of their accru- wealth like you know so like there was this royal summit this week because the whole um house of windsor was plunged into chaos and confusion by mexit <laughs> and so megan joined by phone because she's already left the country and the queen put out this statement after the summit saying that harry and megan don't want to be reliant on public funds and i'm like no shit why should any of these people <laughs> be reliant on public funds and th- th- this is well they're the only ones who are sensible they're the only ones who actually see the whole royal family for what it is and they're not going to try to destroy their family their relatives they're just like nope, just we, like, want nope out. we want out right and and this is what they're most afraid of because harry and Meghan have rocked the boat and revealed the family with the help of prince andrew recently to be nothing but a bunch of grifters <laughs> in nice suits and fascinators it's ridiculous the queen isn't even allowed to vote it would be one thing if there was like some sort of political dimension to this but they're not even allowed to have any opinions they're adding nothing to the table so um so no you can't there's only one there's only one per, there's only one person i would keep on the royal payroll <laughs> princess, princess anne. anne we we are anne stands <laughs> till the very end where are you where are you when we need you most <laughs> i just wish princess anne would weigh in on this because whatever she has to say i will listen to that's what I say. Okay. So nope to the British family. Um, and to the point you're making, the British public with Brexit and Boris Johnson is on the move. Like the society is changing. Um, but, you know, the civil service, it's a, it's a conservative society. So sometimes the institutions lag behind the mentality of the whole company, country. So Boris Johnson, who just won this enormous victory, his number one most senior advisor, his name is Dominic Cummings, he now advertised that there are government jobs for what he called assorted weirdos because he complained that the civil service did not have enough, quote, genuine, genuine cognitive diversity. So I'm not entirely sure who they think is going to reply to this ad. Like, are they talking about clowns or like hippies or like, like Prince Andrew? Prince Andrew, he's an assorted weirdo. He needs a job now. So I don't know who these... He's been cut off. Right. I don't know who the, I don't know who these weirdos are, but there is a leading candidate for this who immediately applied. And if you ask me, has a pretty strong case to get a weirdo position <laughs> in the government. And it and it is Yuri Geller. Oh God, now, the one who wants to bend <laughs> spoons with his mind. 
<laughs> yes. Oh, no. He spent the entire 70s and 80s like bending spoons with his mind. Um, but he's been very active lately. He um, used his psychic powers recently, recently to try to defeat Brexit by emitting twice daily bursts of mass telepathy. Obviously, it didn't work, but he was not deterred, yet he persisted. Maybe he helped delay again, Brexit. <laughs> by a day or two. I don't know. Then, then he's just like Boris Johnson. He switched teams. Then he said he helped Johnson win because he gave Boris Johnson's aides a spoon that was infused with positive energy. He's like, he and Marianne Williamson should get married. This is, uh, that would be a hot <laughs> ticket. In his, right. So in his application letter, he said that his career as an entertainer would be a quote, perfect match for work in espionage. And uh, in his resume, he said, in my intelligence work, I assisted with Operation Desert Storm. I helped to locate secret tunnels in North Korea, and I used my skill to erase crucial diplomatic disks on their way to Moscow. So here's what I have to say. Two things about this guy. Number one, he obviously loves spoons. Number two, he is persistent. This guy does not give up. I would say that of the things that he has cited, he has a very low success rate, but he believes in his methods. He stands in his truth and he's going to keep swinging until to the grave. I have a question. What are diplomatic discs? <laughs> <laughs> like floppy discs? <laughs> Com compact discs, frisbees, discus, like Olympic discus. <laughs> I'm very confused by all of this. They can't, they can't, they can't debate you if you they don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so nope, no to, to Yuri weirdos Geller. in the government, and nope to Yuri Geller for even buying into this nonsense. I have one more Britain on the move item here, so I'm going to read you a headline from the Daily Mirror. And I'm going to ask you to see if you can tell what it's about. Okay. And I issue this challenge to our listeners as well. Here it is. I may not be able to say it properly. Boris's bonkers bung a bob for Big Ben Brexit bongs bid bombs. I don't. That was gibberish. That was nonsense. <laughs> it was not. There were. It's like 13 words. They're discrete words. Some of them make more sense in like British English than like bung a bob means like trying to get a dollar for something. So anyway, the point is that there's a movement that they want Big Ben to ring on January 31st, which is when Brexit becomes official. There's all kinds of things that happen after it, but that's the important date. The problem is that Big Ben is under construction, as is the rest of the like parliamentary complex, and it would cost... 500,000 pounds to ring, and they don't have the money for that. So, you know, despite the fact that the future of, of the British nation, United Kingdom, is at stake here, the one thing, you know, as, you know, that everybody is going bananas over is whether this bell should ring. And everybody is weighing in. So the Central Council of Church Bell Ringers um, <laughs> That's is saying instead of big... <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> Um, is saying, uh, let's have bells ring out at churches across the country instead. And then Nigel Farage, who's this horrible, you know, Brexiteer, right, super right-wing guy, he has a pre-scheduled pre, uh, celebration outside of uh, Parliament for the January 31st, and he has a recording of chimes ready to go, so in the case that if Big Ben can't chime, and they even decided to have a crowdfunding to raise the money that's required, leave it to the people to do it. Unfortunately, it has so far raised 425 pounds, which is not going <laughs> to not gonna ring make a bell. dent. <laughs> Maybe it'll ring just ring like a bell. tiny bit, like it'll be like a ping. <laughs> 
So that's what everybody's up in arms about. We thought that we would be decisive about Boris Johnson, about Brexit. People are still flailing around. They're looking for weirdos. They're trying to ring bells. What is this country (laughs) coming to? This This is like the death knell of a once great country. This is. It's a bell knell. You know, it's like it's like the band playing on the Titanic is what it is. And the band played on. Yeah, it played is, on. So, so no, no, nope to all these British nonsense. Just uh, I was supposed to go this year. I think I'm shut canceling it down. My trip. No, absolutely it. not. Moving, moving closer to home. Over the history of this podcast, this is a very formal introduction. We have covered the weird eating habits of what we call millennials, was probably really Gen Z. They don't eat tuna fish because they don't know how to use can openers. They don't use serving platters because they just throw things on the table. And now this unfortunate trend has migrated to the humble potato, where instead of having lovely cheese and charcuterie boards, uh, people are making French fry boards. And um, I have to say, there are many beautiful pictures on Instagram, and there are fries in every format. There's like waffle and steak and curly and shoestring and there's all these dipping sauces um and it looked very very tempting however it triggered a a personal crisis for me and rachel you and i have talked about this especially when we eat out is that i have not had a french fry in 15 years (laughs) why is that the case (laughs) it's because it is a trigger food for me i have an absolute ban it's a gateway drug (laughs) it's like pete it's a gateway drug for me. If you and I sit at a restaurant at a diner and there's fries on my plate, I will eat all of my fries. I will eat all of your fries. I will go back into the kitchen and cook more fries. If I have one fry, you will find me under the bridge with like needles stuck in my arm a few hours <laughs> it's later. True. It's really true. I just, I just can't, do, I just can't do it. So I can, I can feast on them with my eyes on Instagram on these fries boards, but um, it has to stop there. It has to stop there. There's so many, so many questions. I wish we had somebody yes. who knew how to make sense of this. We have an expert in our midst, um, luckily. So Riyad Beckett is the CPO, which is chief potato officer of a company called Potato Parcel, which was featured on Shark Tank. Um, The company allows you to send a potato to someone you love with a special message or a picture of their face on it or both. And at first, we talked about this a few episodes ago when um, Jill Kargman was on and we gave it a nope. We thought it was a strange idea. But then we sent one to Jill and she loved it and it was a delight. So there you go. You just never know. It... And the likeness, the likeness, the technical execution of this was fantastic. Yes. It was much better. There, there were some, there was a little fracas about some people showed that it didn't look good. or what. I disagree. I think it's an A plus product. Be- good <laughs> housekeeping seal of it approval. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was the most beautiful potato I'd ever seen. So um, so I spoke to Riyad Beckett, and uh, we have some clips from that conversation about uh, fries boards. Well, well, thank you for having me, and I, and I totally agree with you. You know, fries are such a sacred and delicate thing, and they must treat, be treated with respect. Um, <laughs> so, you know, one thing, this, this is cheap knockoff of a, of a charcuterie board. Um, and I, I think that, you know, me personally, when I eat fries, whatever kind of fries they are, I like to enjoy those particular fries at once, right? I don't want mixing of flavors. You know, if, I, right. if I'm having my garlic fries, I'd like to have the garlic fries alone. If I'm having tater tots, I want the tater tots taste, right? Exactly. Um, the fries need to stay in their lane. They should not be intermingling. 
you've got all of these different types of fries laying out to get cold and soggy. Totally. Temperature is key, especially when eating fries. You want them hot and crispy. Um, there's also a discrepancy with uh, dipping sauces, right? You know, some, some you know, tater tots are better with, a, you know, a cheese dip. Um, and, and other fries are better with, you know, ketchup or ranch. So there's a problem there, too. So tastes are all your your body is telling you different things when you when you do something outrageous like this. Um Yeah, and you raise an interesting point. Like are tater tots considered fries? Do they belong on the fries board? I think people are putting them on, but I, there's a lot of purists who would say no, they have no business being there. Yeah, I think we need to ask the board of potatoes, uh the people who run that organization and ask them what is uh, what's the correct way? What what are, what is included and what is that? Uh, in Isn't that food? you? Aren't you're the chief potato officer? <laughs> Can't you? Yes, of my I stay in my own lane as well. <laughs> okay. So and, yeah, yeah. I, I would say I would say this whole thing is is a nope. Even though I love fries, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, another thing is, you know, when when you see something so appealing like that, I mean, assuming it's fresh. Um, then then your mind goes crazy, right? Like you, you maybe you might just overdose on fries and that you might have to be taken, you know, to the hospital or something, right? Too much fried That's food at once. Um, might, you might have a stomach ache. Um, but, you know, when you go to a, a burger joint and you have your, your own serving of fries, that's usually good enough. <laughs> I haven't experienced one yet, but I think <clears throat> a number of, you know, things would it would be a little overwhelming. Again, the temperature wouldn't be right over time. Um, all the all the guests are sticking their hands on this board, right? You know, it's oh, a yeah, little unsanitary, unsanitary. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that you even eat fries. I would assume you're more of like a baked potato type of guy, considering what your company does. Right. I like baked potatoes, but uh, they're a little bit more work than fries. Fries are uh, much more easier and much more easy to consume. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't discriminate. Okay. <laughs> and what would you say would be the best type of potato for um, French fries? I would personally say Idaho russet potatoes. Agree. Agree. So yeah. putting them on a platter with, like, sweet potatoes and you know, blue potatoes is just wrong, I think. Yeah, this is, that's all hogwash. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you for bringing to bear your expertise on this, uh, on this matter. It's a huge nope, and I, I just hope that people can shut it down before it makes it to, um, to this country. It's, you know, in Australia right now, but we don't want it. No. Yeah. Absolutely hopefully, not. Hopefully it doesn't get over here. <laughs> and we'll stick to eating <laughs> fries the way we want to. The way they were intended. Exactly. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so much, Riyadh. And could you tell our listeners where they can get uh, potato parcels should they choose to send each other messages on potatoes? Totally. You can visit our website. It's www.potatoparcel.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook as well, at Potato Parcel. Um, and, and, you know, for your listeners, we'd be more than happy to give everybody 15% off their first order with the coupon code POTATO15. Uh, that's POTATO15 for 15% off uh, any order. Um, and, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, so that's one of our biggest holidays that people will say, you know, we are a perfect mash. Um <laughs> 
and yeah, there's tons of potato puns, a lot of fun, unique, uh, you know, op- options and upsells on our website. So please check it out. Okay. So what was your one takeaway from this, uh, incredible interview that you did? He's a nice guy. Uh, he's a nice guy. He knows his stuff. Uh, he, he knows everything about potatoes. And um, he's, you know, our, our finest roving potato correspondent. I, I do feel like <laughs> we've talked about this before, but we get the best guests. I mean, like... I don't know. I don't know why they agreed to come on. It's like, this watch out. Dr. Penzi's Spice. <laughs> watch out, Oprah and Ellen. Like this week. That's right. We don't even have a professional booker. If you want to be our no. booker. Like, uh, Call us. Unfortunately, we usually decide what we're going to talk about like Five 24 hours before. ahead of time. If that. <laughs> Five minutes. So we're like, who can we get on the phone? I feel like we want an interview. So nope. Nope. So nope to nope. Fries Oh, wait. What, what do we know? Nope to fries boards. Yep to yep the to charcuterie. potato Char- Charcuterie is a very specific thing keep it to meats and cheeses and that's it we don't need thing other things on board that's it, that's it. no shut Absolutely it down not. shut it down okay okay the next item i've got here you know we talk about new york when it's appropriate people are interested in new york this is a local story that has global ramifications and it's about bagels and everyone knows that new yorkers take bagels very seriously and this issue was so important that it was covered in the new york times um, and it's a, it's a hot, it's a hot button issue. It's a high wire act. When someone does or says something wrong about bagels, it's explosive. Like remember when Cynthia Nixon, when she was running for mayor, it's she why said she that lost she liked her, her governor, she was it's running why for she governor. lost it, 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 it tor- she... or governor, right? It torp it torpedoed her career. <laughs> no, I th- with mayor governor. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Cause she's never going to be either of them. She said she likes cinnamon raisin bagels with cream cheese, locks and capers, which is like a crime against humanity. No. She ordered right, that like, at, at she was seen in the act of ordering that there was, at Zabar's. There was a right, there were like fact witnesses to this. <laughs> on the scene. Okay. Um <laughs> Right. So yesterday or whatever the day before was National Bagel Day and de Blasio, our mayor, Bill de Blasio, had to weigh in and he tweeted that his favorite bagel place was this thing called the Bagel Hole Bakery in Park Slope, which sounds a little obscene to me. And he said that his go to bagel was whole wheat with extra cream cheese toasted. And there are two huge problems with this. Number one, whole wheat is not a bagel. Right. Well, that's that's a one one a. So one is that bagel hole refuses to toast bagels. Um, so it's factually impossible. Say, and then the reason they don't toast bagels is because they're they're a crime against nature, right? Yeah. Nobody, no New Yorker toasts their bagels. Most real New York bagel places don't even have a toaster because no, you know, sane human being would ever do it. They're so delicious and fresh and hot. Maybe on the second day when they're a little stale, but for for now when they're fresh out of the boiler oven or however they make them, they're no. they're perfection. So he basically lied. He lied and said that he gets a bagel that is not possible to get. Yes, he is a liar <laughs> and he has terrible taste. <laughs> and he has terrible taste in lies. Well, of course, there was a Twitter explosion about this and everyone claimed that there was a on both sides that there was a smear campaign. 
against Bill de Blasio. And I have a quick, very personal story about this. So there was one time, it was like 15 years ago, I was waiting for like an appliance to be delivered. And I stayed home from work and I waited all day and they swore it was coming and then it never came. And I told the manager of the store and I said that if you don't, if you, you don't deliver or give me a discount, something I was asking for, I'm going to put up bad reviews on whatever you, whatever, Yelp. Google. And she says, how dare you threaten me with a schmear campaign? <laughs> well, you know. And I'm like, well, you you just sealed the deal. <laughs> like, I'm definitely complaining now. Not just for not just for wasting my time, but for an abusive vocabulary. Yeah, it's that's, terrible. That's, that's it's, terrible. Uh, it's, it's a Yiddish word. It's anti-Semitic. You can't miss, whatever, misuse schmear. Now, Bill de Blasio, this is, you know, indicative of a larger problem. He has big, big problems eating New York food. There was a photograph earlier in his term of him eating pizza on Staten Island with a fork. And he said, in my ancestral homeland, it's more typical to eat with a fork and knife. And A, he's only half Italian. And B, like, like who, just because it's from their ancestral homeland? Like, does that no, mean that he's uh, terrible. I don't know what food he, I would eat? Like, one thing I will say that it's really not surprising that he's um, a bagel trader. Um, he endorsed Cynthia Nixon. So Cynthia Nixon was running for governor and de Blasio oh. um, endorsed her. And it's because they have united and in terrible it's taste for bagels. It's a cabal <laughs> of bagel haters. <laughs> it's a national security threat. So this is, uh, of all the things, no, terrible. this is maybe the worst. Shut it down. No. <laughs> that we've got today. De Blasio, shut it down. Shut your mouth. Shut it down. Don't eat anything more. Get your jaw wired shut because if you can't eat things right, just don't eat it all. Shut it down. Nope, absolutely nope. not. Okay, it's been a terrible, terrible week. We need these little yups, these rays of light, these beacons of hope to get us through. Rachel, you have a good one. I think I have a good one, too. Why don't you go first? Yeah, so um, I was in L.A. over the weekend and visiting my cousin, and we watched uh, Booksmart, which was uh, this great comedy directed by Olivia Wilde, and it didn't get any Oscars love, but... Like so many movies that were snubbed this year, it should have been nominated in multiple categories, including lighting. It was very well lit. <laughs> it was, it was, it was on all kinds of critics' top ten yes. lists. So, and I really wanted to see it. It seemed like my kind of thing, but it got very limited distribution, and it's not like an explosive Netflix release. So you have to go find it. I'm not sure where it is. I think it's out streaming somewhere now. What's the premise? It's about these two um, like nerdy girls in high school and it's like their last day before graduation and they realize that they've been studying this whole time and everybody else was partying and got into good schools too so they have like one night to be well-rounded and so they What's they cool go like on this that's bender a, that's a classic that's a classic like bro movie trope right yes, like high school exactly. bro movie and it flips the gender. That's super cool. Um, speaking of flipping the gender, this was a news item that came as a shock to me, um, is that Virginia this week ratified the Equal Rights Amendment. Yes. And this was first introduced in 1972. So it may not be at all familiar that this was a thing, but it was actually to amend the Constitution so that it had the following phrase, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. So I have a bunch of things to say about this. First of all, it is shocking that 
<clears throat> that that is not already in the Constitution, <laughs> never mind this amendment, number one. Number two, so there is, under normal circumstances, had it reached the 38th state, I think it has to be two-thirds of the state uh, legislatures, then it would, there would have to be a constitutional convention. Well, this was this the 38th state. Under Article 5. This was, yeah. No, I know, but, it, but the, it, it expired in the 80s. It expired in like 1982, so they would have to reintroduce it. But I think that's an opportunity. Let's reintroduce it, but not just on account of sex. Ties to Let's bring it back and include every other type of equality that now that we've come to our heads are actually should be in the Constitution. So you can't have insaniac states discriminate against whoever they like under the guise of like states' rights. Shut that all down. Shut it down. Just passed a new Equal Rights Amendment, greatly expanded. I want 15 lines of different categories of people who were protected. It should be everybody. Everybody. So there you go. Yes. Everybody. And equal rights for everybody. That should not be a controversial concept in 2020. Oh, it's ridiculous. And yet, and yet it, it is. is. Okay. Well, I'm so you up to the symbolic move of ratifying the, uh, being the 38th state to ratify the ERA, but uh, we need to do more. We need to we do need more. To and do this better. is why local elections matter. The, you know, the Virginia house was flipped right. in this last election. So yep. it's, it's really, it was a, and, a great and moment. And record number of women elected to yes. the legislatures in Virginia as well. So this wouldn't have happened without both of those things. Wow. Okay. That's the end of this what podcast. There wasn't a lot. There, that wasn't a, there's not a lot to spread the news to friends. But if you enjoyed the way we talked about these things, you might want to recommend this podcast to your friends. We would love if you did that in person. There's also ways on your phone to do it. Rachel, remind us what those are. Yeah. So go into the Apple Podcasts app and uh, give us a five-star review. Give us a rating. You can email us at thisweekinnope at gmail.com. Give us your feedback. Uh, tweet at us at Rachel D at Brian Hecht. Um, we love hearing from you and uh, or just you we're know, also, we're, walk we're down up... the street and turn to somebody and say, listen to This Week in Nope. The best uh, recommendations are word of mouth. <laughs> Terrible week. Fun podcast to record. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend. We got a lot in common.